This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. God bless you. Grab a seat. For just a few moments, there's one thought that I want us to sit with. One thought to just sit with. When we do baptism, it's a picture, as I mentioned earlier, of what's happened in somebody's life. The fact that an all-knowing God, before you were born, before I was born, before I made my first mistake or you made yours, before we disappointed God in any way or even disappointed ourselves, before we did any of the things that we're ashamed of, before any of that happened, God sent His only Son to pay our price, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to make a way for us to know God in a personal and connected way by dying on the cross, shedding His innocent blood, and three days later, the resurrection. It's a picture of overwhelming forgiveness. And the picture of baptism even, even though it's not in that moment, it's a picture of what's already happened, the the washing, the, the forgiveness that takes place inside. But while we want forgiveness, none of us really like to forgive. What we've experienced, if you're a follower of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, Man, we, we want to experience that. But it's so hard to give, that, to give that gift to others. And we know as Christ followers, because we've been forgiven, we are supposed to forgive. Wouldn't the world be a little bit better if we learned to forgive? If we just, instead of attacking every mistake and canceling every person we think is less valuable or wrong in their opinion? Wouldn't it just be a little bit better world if we just forgave people? And the church, Christ followers, we're supposed to lead the way in this. But forgiving someone is one of the hardest things we can do. It's never easy or simple. It's always difficult and complicated. It's the last thing we feel like doing Because we weren't created to forgive. There is nothing in your hardwiring or mine where we're built to, created to, designed to forgive. That is absent in us. God did not put that in us because we were created initially to live in a perfect garden in harmony where forgiveness would not be necessary. And we broke that. We chose sin and what we wanted over what God wants. And so now the the one thing that we have to do if we want to live free, we don't know how to do. Because we weren't designed to forgive. It's not natural. It takes something supernatural in us. It's one of the many incredible benefits of being a Christ follower. The Spirit of God inside me. Leading me and helping me to do things that I cannot do and would not choose to do on my own. Forgiving, it's impossible. 
in and of ourselves. There's no delete button to get rid of what we've walked through. There's no eraser that can remove the pain that's been caused. There's, there's nothing to numb our thoughts into somehow forgetting what happened. In fact, we remember vividly moments we were hurt. As I meet people, connect with people, and people begin to talk to me about their story, they, they come into C3 New, one of the most common things that I hear from anybody and everybody it's, it's no respecter of persons. It affects every ethnicity. It doesn't matter how big or how small your bank account or your house are. One of the most common things I hear is how people have been hurt. In fact, it's what causes a lot of people to think, maybe I should try church. Maybe there is a God because this, this pain that I'm feeling is more than I can bear. And then we're unable in and of ourselves, to do the one thing necessary to live, live free from hurt, to forgive. But if you don't figure out how to forgive, you'll never be free. And the Spirit of God inside you, the Spirit of God inside me, is what will help us do this thing that is essential if you're tired of living locked up. God would never tell us to do something that we can't do with His help. There are a lot of things I read in Scripture that are impossible in and of myself. But with the Spirit of God helping me, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, nothing is impossible. In fact, just in the New Testament alone, there are 146 times the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. 146 times in the Greek language, this idea of forgiving or forgiveness comes up over and over again. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, fully the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How do we forgive? Like Jesus. Or Colossians chapter 3, Bear with each other and forgive one another. Bear with each other. It's the picture of don't give up, don't quit, don't stop. Carry the weight. Live under the pressure. Walk in that pace that is sometimes painful. Bear with. Be patient. Don't walk out. Stay in. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. There it is again. As the Lord forgave you. And then the Gospel of Matthew. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. We know it. We don't feel it. Because there's something, there's something about pain we tend to hold on to. We tend to rehearse and relive and process. And if you could walk on this platform and share your story, because some of you, you're, you're already thinking something like, if, if you knew what he did to me, if you knew what she did to me, if you knew what they, if you could walk on this platform and share your story, we would all agree, it's horrific. But we tend to fail to remember one very important truth. 
while we're busy holding on to hurt and grievances and pain and the wrongdoing that somebody did to us, we tend to forget the reality that you murdered God's son. I murdered God's son. The sin in my life, the sin in your life, is why Jesus had to die. God's only son, I did that. You did that. And in church especially, we want to embrace God's forgiveness. We want His mercy. We want His grace. But His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness are not just for you. They're supposed to pass through you. And one of the greatest ways that you and I represent Jesus well is to forgive. I murdered God's son and he forgave me. There's not anything that anybody can do to me worse than what I've done to God. You may have a bad story, but if you're not careful and intentional, your bad story will create a bad life. A life that you don't even want to live. So who locked you up? Who keeps you in the the prison of pain? What happened to you that causes you to live in that cage where you've limited your world and your thinking and you've shrunk it to what happened to you? Where you spend so much time processing, regretting, being angry. And all those feelings are, are valid. What happened to you should not have happened. But when you don't forgive, it changes you. Some of you, you're, you're not who you used to be. Because you're holding on to what someone used to do to you or around you. You're less happy. You're less optimistic. You're less trusting. You're less loving. You're less fun. You're less peaceful. When you and I don't forgive, it creates an atmosphere of negativity around us that people feel even when they can't explain it. Now you might think, how do you know? I mean, you're a pastor. Isn't your life just wonderful all the time? I mean, at home, don't y'all just stand in a circle and hold hands and sing praise songs? And aren't all your friends just amazing to you all the time? I, I struggle with forgiveness. I pastored a different church in Orlando, and when we started C3, many years ago, over 15 years ago now, a group of people, 88 people, hired attorneys to sue me and sue the church, the former church. I don't know if I've ever told this publicly. And they knew they were lying. They knew what they were trying. They were trying to stop the birth of C3. And because I know Jesus, truth was on my side, and we have phenomenal Texas attorneys, they lost. (laughs) But some of those people, I knew them well. We had gone on vacations with them. They actually started telling people we sold the campus of the other church. They started telling people that Angie and I had created the new church as an LLC. And when we sold the campus, we were going to take all the money and move to Texas. That was 15 years ago. Apparently the movers are slow. (laughs) Listen, 
Here's the reality. You can go online and see that C3 Church is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It's not L. I mean, but, but what I learned, what I learned is that sometimes truth doesn't matter, and truth to most people does not matter as much as relationships. So if my best friend's upset with you, then I'm upset with you. And we, we pile on in this mentality. And there were a lot of people, they, they knew they were lying. And over time, obviously, God revealed that. My address is in Orlando, Florida. And God is blessing. Look what just happened this morning. So, but, but, but here's what happened. It locked me up. I spent years not trusting anybody. Because one of the things I learned is church people will lie to you as fast as anybody else. And one of the things I've learned, listen, if you lead anything, this is true for you too. It doesn't have to be just a church. If you lead anything, <clears throat> if you have employees that work for you, if you manage something, if you own something, if you lead a team, if you lead a group, if you lead anything, you're only one decision away from your biggest fan becoming your loudest critic. It's just life. And in my nature, this whole thing, people that I needed to forgive, what they said about me, what they said about my wife, what they said around my kids, what they tried to do. It's a, it's a miracle of God I'm not in prison starting a jail ministry because of murder. I mean, because in my nature, listen, I'll punch you in the throat. That's just how I'm wired. I'll fight before I even know what's going on. It's just how I'm wired. And, and the, but, but here's what happened. I became negative. Cynical. Critical. It is a horrible thing to meet people and think, you may be lying. It's a horrible way to live to meet people and think, you like me today, we'll see you in a month. And it took me years. See, forgiveness has nothing to do with flipping a switch. Another reason we don't forgive is we've confused what it means. We think if we forgive somebody, we're supposed to be best friends again. No, 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 no. Forgiveness has nothing to do with reconciliation. Some of you need to forgive some people that have already died. You can't reconcile with them. Forgiveness has nothing to do with what's going to happen with a relationship from here on out. If you can reconcile, awesome. But if they've not changed their who you are, you still need to forgive, but it doesn't mean you've got to hang out with them anymore. Those 88 people, I've forgiven them. I know their names. I know who they are. I pray for them. We're not going to lunch. Because when you show me who you are, I believe you. Theologian Medea. <laughs> it's better than what I thought about saying. So. But some of you, this is what has locked you up and you feel like you're justified you feel like your story's bad enough and it probably is but when you compare it to you you murdered God's only son I murdered God's only son who am I to not forgive someone when God has forgiven me You're locked up. And when you're locked up, your life is locked up. You have poured so much emotional and mental energy into remembering and replaying and rehearsing in your mind, watching those same old clips over and over and over again, or energy into trying to forget. You, you spent so much time thinking through what happened and how you wish you would have done something different and what you wish your choices would have been and 
what would have happened in that scenario. Your screen time on this issue, what hurt you and who hurt you, is record-breaking. And it weaves in and out of your life. You still feel it. You still, you still hate Him. You still hate her. You still feel the pain. And here's what's crazy about forgiveness. It's not a destination, it's a process. There are people I've forgiven, but then, I, I, I don't know if you, this has ever happened to you, sometimes I have drive-by. I'll drive by a restaurant where I had a bad meeting with an idiot, I mean a person God loves. I'll drive by... And, and I feel everything again that happened in that meeting. All the, it'll hit me out of the blue. Maybe I've driven by that place. Denny's on East 50, which why would you go to Denny's anyway? That's a bad meeting from the beginning. But horrible meeting there with a guy that had been a friend for a long time. Absolutely betrayed, lied, tried to destroy me and my family. Drive by all the time, nothing. But every now and then, poof, it comes back. And it's like I'm back there. And if you're not careful, you start to feel, what's, what's wrong with me? God tells me to forgive. And I want to, but I can't. What's wrong with me? If you experience drive-by, it means you're normal. Remember Peter on one occasion was asking Jesus, okay, this whole forgiveness thing, how many times we got to do that? Like five, six, seven, what, what, what are we looking at here? And basically Jesus' answer is infinitely. So what do you do when you relive? Here it is. When you relive, forgive. When you relive, forgive. You may have to forgive 10 times a week, 18 times a day. When you relive, forgive. And before long, it will become the default pattern in your life. Because how you respond to pain creates patterns in your thinking and your behavior. And some of you, you're just living a pattern of a lack of forgiveness that you created in your life. And it's impacted other relationships in your life of people you don't need to forgive. You're just cruel to them. You're just because you're hurting all the time, you're not as healthy as you could be, and it's impacting those relationships as well. And until you forgive, you will never be who God created you to be. So who, who is it? And what happened? And more importantly, would you like to be free? Because only one person can decide the length of your sentence and how long you serve locked up. And that's you. To forgive starts with knowing you need to. And then it moves to asking God for His help. So I want to give you this morning a simple prayer that I wrote down a good while back and I, I pray this often. When I have drive-by, when something comes up again, you may want to just take a camera and, or your phone and take a picture of the screen, but here's the prayer. And you can put it in your own words, but this, this helps me and you flesh it out in your life. Dear God, I know I'm supposed to forgive, fill in the blank, but I don't know how. Please help me. Right now, I release, fill in the blank, and what happened to you. I ask you to heal my heart and help me move forward in the life you have for me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And those are not just words. This is not just ritualistic. This has helped me. Forgiveness is not going to accidentally happen. You're not, if you've been hurt, you're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden just feel better. Time, listen, the biggest load of crap that people will tell you is time heals everything. 
Time doesn't do jack. It's what you do with the time that determines whether or not you experience healing. You're not going to just wake up one day and all of a sudden, oh, I don't feel angry anymore. I don't feel hurt. I'm all good. That's not going to happen. You may have moments that you feel better, but you have to be proactive. You have to be intentional. You have to create new thinking patterns. And you have to ask God for His help to do something that we're not wired to do. So you pray that every single time you need to. And when you relive, you forgive again. It's not a one-time thing. If you decide to get healthy, you're not going to eat healthy one day and then I'm done, didn't work. You're not going to go to the gym one day and then I'm done. Well, some of you will, January 2nd, every year you're at the gym. (laughs) But the biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. And you have to build healthy, habitual consistency into your life. Now here's what happens when you eat healthy one day and you go to the gym that same day. The next morning you wake up and you look in the mirror and it looks like nothing. And then you go to the gym that day and you eat healthy again that day. And the next morning you wake up and you look in the mirror and it looks like nothing. And if you're not careful, you can assume that because you don't see something, God's not doing anything. But the reality is it's the consistency. It's the next day and the next day and the next day. And you don't have to decide for the rest of your life, how much longer am I going to do this? Just one more day. Just always let it be one more day. Don't worry about two months from now. Just one more day. And then you move into the next. And over time, you're going to wake up one day and look in the mirror and things are different. you got to start giving your clothes away like things change. But it doesn't happen in a moment. And if you chase what you see or feel, you'll never get there. You have to live in the place of faith where you trust what God says and you continue to do what God says is best and how to live the best life. And eventually, over time, it's compounding, like compounding interest over time, you'll see the results. But what do you do? Just just one quick question. What do you do when the person that you have the hardest time forgiving is you? I told you a couple of stories about what some people have done to me years ago. But I got to tell you, the person who has caused me the most pain, the person who has harmed my life the most, The person who has let me down more than anybody else is the guy I see when I look in the mirror. And I have a hard time forgiving me. Maybe that's you. Maybe Jesus has forgiven you. But have you forgiven you? You did something you can't undo. If you could go back in time, you would, but you you can't. You said something you can't unsay. You made what you thought in the moment was the right decision. You ignored some things maybe, but you you, you made the right decision. But you've regretted it every day since. The landscape of your life has deep moments of regret because of you. Your actions. Your words. Your thoughts. You have hurt people. You've hurt you. And you've hurt people you love. What do you do when what you did haunts you? Because not all guilt is created equal. Some people live with false guilt. False guilt is feeling guilty about something you shouldn't. We hear this all the time from children whose parents go through divorce. And over and over again you you hear of kids that feel like it was my fault. If I'd have kept my room cleaner. If I wouldn't have argued at dinner. If I would have eaten all my vegetables, depending on the age of the kid, we, we, we think it's our fault. It wasn't your fault. 
A lot of people walk around in false guilt because you have an enemy that would love to discourage you and distract you and get you to think about something that's not true rather than the truth of how much God loves you and the plan He has for your life. There's another kind of guilt. It's good guilt. It's called, the Bible word is conviction. And that's when I recognize my responsibility, I, I own what's taken place, and I turn to God for help. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 7. The Bible says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow is, God, I'm moving in this direction because I ignored some things you say, and this is what I wanted, but I recognize I'm wrong and you're right. And that term repentance just means I'm going to pivot to an opposite direction in an elevated manner. I'm going to turn, and every time I turn and I do what God says, it elevates my life. So godly sorrow is when conviction comes in, I recognize it. Okay, God, I, I, I feel guilty about this. I'm ashamed of this. I'm sorry. I was moving in this direction, but God, I, I want to live for you. I want to live the way you say to live. I, I want to live like Jesus, so I'm going, to, I'm going to turn to you, and it's going to take your Holy Spirit doing in, that in my life to help me accomplish that. That's, that's godly sorrow. Here's the thing about it. When you experience that, and you turn to God and say, God, please forgive me. I was wrong. You're right. I want to do better in this area. Any guilt you feel after that moment is not from God. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, He forgets them, removes them as far as the east is from the west. How does He do that? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just really glad. I'm really glad my God is not so small that I can figure Him out. I'm really glad there are things I don't understand about God because He's way bigger than me. But the Bible teaches the truth that it's gone. So any guilt you feel after that, hey, Christ follower, it is the enemy trying to distract and discourage you and get you to think, you think God would forgive you? You think God likes you? You don't even like you. You think God would want you? You think God would use you? Every now and then when we talk about serving, somebody will come up and say, you know, I'm just, I'm just not qualified. Me either. You, 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 you think I do this because I think I have something to offer you? The only thing I have of any value to share with you is Jesus. What He's done in my life. What His Word teaches. Listen, the reality is we're all broken. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We're trying to figure out this thing called life. And some of you, life is passing by while you keep yourself locked up. Not forgiving somebody else or not forgiving yourself. Godly sorrow is the conviction that helps me make a change to a new path with God's help. Worldly sorrow, you know what worldly sorrow is? It's the, the verse says, worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is an example. When you sit in a church service and you hear a message and something in the Scriptures convicts you and you feel bad, but you do nothing about it. Did you know that some people, I, I'm convinced, some people go to church to feel bad so they feel better. I screwed up a bunch last week. I'm going to go to church so I kind of feel bad, get spiritually beat up a little bit. And somehow that makes me feel a little closer to God because I went through the punishment. And then next week, I'm going to go do the same stupid stuff again. But then I'm going to go to church and feel bad about what I did and get spiritually beat up a little bit. And then I'm going to go, are you smoking crack? How's that working for you? Worldly sorrow is regretting but not changing. Worldly sorrow is recognizing truth but ignoring Worldly sorrow is, yeah, that's probably right, but I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And Scripture says it leads to and brings death. See, the enemy wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. 
But God wants to use your guilt to draw you to His grace. Because He loves you. If you need to forgive yourself, and maybe you don't right now, but you might at some point in the future, you might want to take a picture of this. Here's a prayer that I pray occasionally. You can put it in your own words, pray it just like this. But here's something that I pray when I wrestle with this. Dear God, thank you for loving me even when I don't feel lovable. Thank you for forgiving me. Please help me forgive myself. Please help me live in the reality of who you say I am, not what I say about me or to me. I am your child. I am forgiven because I've accepted your offer through Jesus' death and resurrection. I am yours and you are mine. I receive your forgiveness. Help me live in freedom to fulfill your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we pray? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? It's real simple. It's because the only way that we have access to the Father is through Jesus. When I pray, it's in Jesus' name because He shed His blood to make that connected relationship possible with the Father. The God of the universe invites us to call Him Father. And we have the ability to do that and be in relationship with Him because of what Jesus did for us. So that's why at the end of every prayer, in Jesus' name, by the authority of what Jesus did for me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a couple questions. If you're here this morning and you would say, hey, there's there's somebody in my life that, or maybe they're no longer in your life, but there's somebody I, I need to forgive. With heads bowed and eyes closed, could I pray for you? Nobody's looking but me. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down right where you are? Man, there's somebody I need to forgive. I know I'm supposed to. I wrestle with it. Just slip your hand up and put it down right where you are. God bless you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for your honesty and your courage. Heads about, eyes are closed. I wonder, are there some of you that would say, hey, I, would you pray for me? I need to forgive myself. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up and put it down right where you are? I need to forgive me. Wow. Wow. Father, you've seen every hand. You know every story. This is hard. But it's essential to live the life you created us to live, to live the life we want. So I pray that beginning today, that we would be able to Turn a page in the sense that we're going to continually turn to you when we don't want to forgive. That we'll pray these prayers and ask for your help. Whether we need to forgive somebody else or God for those that need to forgive themselves, that they'll start more and more to believe what you say about them than what they say to themselves. And for every person in this room that's a Christ follower, God, we know your word teaches we are forgiven. Help us to live in that space of the freedom you offer in life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe that's not you because you've never given your life to Jesus. If you know that's what you need to do, I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of this moment. The Bible says in Matthew 6, Jesus knows our thoughts. So if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life today, to forgive your sin, to give you a home in heaven after this life, and to give you the Spirit of God inside you to walk with you through this life, to be the person God created you to be and the person you'd love to be. If you'd like to pray that prayer, just just pray this. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a 